friends, Indians, countrymen, lend me your ears. I've come to praise Jesus and not Caesar. Shall we look to the Lord? Father, we just thank you. We thank you, we just thank you, we just thank you, Lord. Speak to us every day, Lord. We pray, Father, you will never cease speaking to us. The greatest fear is not war. It's not sickness. It is not famine. It is not lack. It is the silence of God. We serve a living God. And we pray, Lord, even now, you will speak. Speak, faithful God. Let your word go forth. Meet people at their point of need. For your word is life. It is spirit. The flesh profits nothing. I pray even now, we will choose To crucify our flesh. Put it away. The desires of the flesh. The fears. The worries. The anxieties. The dreams. The aspirations. Put it all away. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Speak to us Lord. Commit ourselves and this time and this place into thy hands and all your children around the world. Thank you for every one of them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Last week, uh, before we entered into the this year, we were on a seven-day fast. All of those who fasted joined a meal or more or less. On 31st morning, when we, Tuesday morning, that was Tuesday morning, uh, we had our meeting, and like we preponed from Wednesday to Tuesday, I wanted to listen to that message, because it was about, as a church, we are making a commitment to the Lord. You need to make commitments. God is a God who makes covenants, and God is God who makes personal covenants. You can make personal covenants with God. And ask for the grace of God to help you to keep it. And three verses I gave you from Daniel chapter 6. I'll just recap and then we'll go to this word for today. One was from Daniel uh, 6, not 1. Sorry, Daniel 6, not 1. I'm sorry. It's not chapter 1, but chapter 6. All are from chapter 6, okay? Chapter 6. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So one thing even his enemy is found about Daniel is that when it comes to his God, he will continually obey. So they were looking in his law to find a clause which they could make him break. First commitment you make to God is Lord. Help me to obey you continually. Please, Lord. The little things 
and the big things. Help me to be like Daniel. To obey you continually. Second thing, you know, the law was passed for 30 days. No one could pray. In Daniel 1.10, the Bible says, when Daniel knew that writing was signed, he went home. He opened his window towards Jerusalem. And as was his habit, he prayed three times that day. Second commitment we make is, Lord, help me never to stop praying. Help me to pray continually. To be a dad. Okay? To pray continually. Help me. To obey you continually. And never a day in my life where that altar was empty. The prayer closet, you or I did not go. We did not meet with God. Make these commitments. You will need this. The lions are waiting. The fire is being heated. And tens and thousands and millions of Christians are just falling away. You have to come through. There are certain things that are determined. Why did Daniel come through? In Babylon, not in Jerusalem. Why did he come through? Why did he come through so well? Because of these commitments he had made and he kept. I will obey you continually. I will pray continually. And the third one is from verse 19, where the king comes. The king arose very early in the morning, went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually. Third thing, Lord, I will serve you continually. Whatever I do, I will do it unto you. I mean, if we were aware in everything that we do, you are doing it for God. The way we serve, the way we work, the way we do things will instantly start changing. And this is what the king had realized. King does not say, he says, I know when you serve me, but I know you serve your God always. I passed the law and you stopped serving me. But you never stopped serving God. So keep these three things. Three things. Okay? Three things. So this morning we'll turn first to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Every day when you wake up, every day when you wake up, you have to go through that gate. Because even when you fell asleep, your flesh grew. You put on weight. The first thing in the morning, if you have to go through that gate, you have to shed weight. The flesh. It is not once. All your life you will have to wake. Certain days when you wake up and you go to pray, it's dead as a doornail. What stopped you? The gate stopped you. All you can is plead for mercy and say, Lord, bring to my remembrance what do I need to shed now before 
I can proceed. There is something he told which you didn't obey. Enter through the narrow gate. Every morning. It's narrow. No flesh will go through that gate. Let me tell you. God in his mercy allows us to come through. But as we keep going, the gate gets narrower and narrower and narrower. And finally, when we enter into his presence, we will see no flesh entered there. It is only spirit. However, you have grown in your spirit. That is all that will make it there. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. Don't let any pastor, even if I, like Paul says in Galatians, comes and makes it broad, curse beyond me. Don't change scripture. I may have erred in this 14 years in so many ways, personally with God, before God. I know. Pulpit. Now, we don't go wrong from here. We work hard because we know lives depend on this. We cry out to God, Lord, help me us not to make a mistake. Because to take it back is so difficult. Because the people who listen to you today may not be listening to you next week. And you cannot find, in our case especially, we cannot find how many people have listened. Last uh, last Friday, I think. Friday, uh, when we were having our prayer, uh, it's a prayer, morning prayer. We think, who listens to morning prayer? First of all, was doing an analytics on Google, and we were shocked by the countries that was coming up from countries which I didn't even know. Now, I know they exist, but I didn't know they would be, they were listening from even those countries, Zambia and I don't know, Zimbabwe, Estonia. They're listening to the Friday morning prayer. That's what I'm talking about, okay? So, even when you share the word with somebody, share only what you know is true. Okay? Word of God is life. And when it is not the word of God, it is death. So, narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to life. Okay? And we are moving from life to life. From liberty to liberty. Glory to glory. And liberty is not outside. Liberty is inside. It does not matter what freedom you have outside. If you are not free inside, you are a slave. In the prison, yesterday's Q&A, the questions were all from, all around the world. The two free people in the town of Philippi were beaten Stripped, legs put in stock, and they were absolutely free. And they were worshipping God in the midnight hour. That is freedom, what God is talking about. We always look at freedom in the body, you know. Freedom is not in the body. Freedom is in the spirit. If your spirit is not free, you are not free. You know, you don't have to sit in my place and write difficult answers to people in churches where young girls and older women get raped almost every week for their faith. Because rape is used as an instrument of torture to make people break their spirit and deny Jesus.
One of the people we prayed for without mentioning her name was raped by four men and she's in her 60s. They beat her up, broke her hip bones and she's lying in the ICU. And yesterday she opened her eyes and she was praying in tongues. They don't quit. They don't quit. Your faith has to be genuine. And even to them, what do I say? Only your body can be raped by others. Your soul can be raped only by you. They can touch your body. Don't let them touch your soul. Don't let them touch your spirit. In your spirit, you are free to worship. Free to pray. Free to serve me. Don't ever think this way is easy. He did not say it is easy. He said it is difficult. It is difficult. Most of us will not go through what the persecuted church goes through. But we'll all go through our trials. God ordained trials. Until the word of God tests us. Then only we are released. And if we don't come through, we are not released. So be very, very sure that what you receive is the word of God. Because there is a false church. And Paul talks about that in the Gospels. He says there is a false gospel. There is a false Jesus. There is a false spirit. And there are false brethren. Don't be part of it. Don't be part. There's a real Jesus. There's a real gospel. There's a real spirit. There are real brethren. There are real in God's kingdom. Whatever is real in God's kingdom, there are absolute duplicates which the enemy brings. And unless we have discernment and we use the word of God to guide every day of our life, we too will fail. We too will fall for it. That's where the cross comes. The narrow road and the narrow gate, the difficult one. It's talking about the cross. Pick up your cross. You put down your cross. I put down the cross. Anybody puts down the cross, you're open for deception. So be careful. This 15th year, make this commitment and then say, help me, Lord. Lord, I want to obey you. The little things and the big things. Lord, I want to pray. I want to have a genuine prayer life. Lord, I want to serve you. And for this, we need the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 1, 23 and 24, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Who? Christ crucified. The Bible is a book of wisdom. In the Old Covenant, wisdom was more in terms of principles and precepts. And we even have the book of wisdom. But in the New Covenant, wisdom is a person. Was a person. Wisdom is Christ. Christ crucified. He is the wisdom of God. That's the wisdom we want. Pastor Vijay preached yesterday about wisdom. Wisdom that is earthly. 
wisdom that is sensual wisdom that is demonic connected with earth that's why paul will say if you have been raised with christ keep your mind on things that are above that's a wisdom that is earthly it is connected with our senses but it is demonic it is demonic and there is a wisdom which is the wisdom of god which is christ crucified the person of god jesus christ represented to us and in us all those who are saved as the spirit of god that's why paul's prayers in ephesians 1:17 if you are listening to the messages the old messages which are put up over there you will hear us praying that prayer right father give us the spirit of and you will hear pastor vijay's voice and sister elsa's voice even in those messages those two voices you can still hear as i say give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation right you all know whether it is 2008 or 2009 their voices are there give us the spirit of wisdom the holy spirit is a spirit of wisdom it's a person so when we read the old testament and the new testament we look for precepts we look for principles we look for patterns but ultimately we are looking for the person it is the spirit of christ speaking through these 40 odd authors it is not them from moses onwards every writer it is not them speaking it is the spirit of god speaking it is the spirit of christ speaking so when we are learning principles it is the principle of christ we call it the doctrine of christ as opposed to the doctrines of demons demons will have different doctrines the doctrine of christ is one and whole here of israel the lord thy god is one it's connected with one life god cannot be divided his mind is one his his focus is one in everything he's united therefore the doctrine is a whole and represented to us as christ the person don't separate demonic doctrines can be separated you can be a humanist you can be a socialist you can be a communist you can be a feminist you can be anything these are all different doctrines but there's only one doctrine it's a doctrine of christ not doctrines of christ no doctrine of christ connected with a person and that is what it means god is trying to conform us in the image of christ yes harry the image of christ what is that how does jesus think how does god think how does god do things what it is attitude his spirit that is what paul jesus says i mean you have to understand jesus jesus is not like us he tells the samaritan woman god is seeking what true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth now think about it which of us if you are given a chance would give such high-funded doctrine to a Samaritan woman who is married five times and divorced and living with the sixth one. Who will teach doctrine to a person like that? This is the wisdom of God. We would say, Jesus, I think you got it wrong. You should have told this the previous night to Nicodemus. To Nicodemus, God said, go get born again. This is what we are talking about, wisdom of God. 
wisdom of god god doesn't think and act like we do he's completely different okay so this sunday the first sunday of our 15th year i want you to turn with me to proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight keep this word in your mind in your heart as we begin our year trust in the lord how with all your heart most of you believe almost all of you believe that's why you are here so you are called believers we have believed jesus for our salvation that the penalty of sin that was hanging over us has been taken away because we believed in his work but that's not what god is talking here lot of people lot of people believe in jesus to go to heaven but they don't trust him on a regular basis the issue is trust do you trust him on a day to day basis do you trust him in the little things and the big things trust him with all your heart completely totally trust him i gave you that illustration last week how easily you came and sat down and are still sitting down on the chairs but if i were to tell you one of the chairs before the service is over will break into pieces and you will fall flat everybody will start checking their chairs what happened trust left we trust human things when you get into public transport you trust the driver and the vehicle get into a train you trust indian railways you get into a place you trust the pilot and our young men <laughs> young men moses srikanth and albert okay and vine who allows the plane to take off and they who fix the planes you trust them but when it comes to god and all these things fail everything that is of man has failed and continue to fail god never fails and we struggle to trust god and the bible is saying trust god with all your heart the book of proverbs though it was written by solomon was not written by solomon it was written by god and if you read the book of proverbs this one term that keeps on repeating my son my son my son my son my son means daughter too god is telling his children would you please listen to me my children would you please listen to me It is the voice of God speaking through the Bible. It is the voice of God. Would you trust me with all your heart? 
Will you trust me with all your heart? You see, when we were small, when we were very small, um, in that country called Bhutan, we used to go from the border town called Punsholing to the capital, Thimpo. It used to take 8 hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. Roads were very narrow then. It's around 28 or whatever hairpin curves all the way from down up to the Himalayas. Beautiful scenery. Unbelievable scenery. Only thing you don't want to look out of the window. Because if you look down, it is like 20,000 feet down. Your heart was in your mouth. And you realized your heart doesn't taste so good. You were petrified. You were petrified. Beautiful scenery. But if the driver made a mistake, you would not be even found in the history books because you are not worth mentioning. You are just statistics. And sometimes you will see the drivers who made a mistake. And then you hear the report. Nobody came out alive. That was the roads. Scenery is beautiful. But you need to be careful. That's what Jesus is talking about. We are on a journey called life. You make mistakes. What do you lose? You lose time. I loved it. Sister Justin from Psalm 90 verse 12 if I'm right. Number your days. Everybody has been given a particular slot of time. And every day we are spending it. Give us a heart of wisdom. Because suddenly we will reach on the other time, other side. This week, uh, my, one of my profs in the 1983, he taught me. 83, he taught me. He was, became the head of the department. He passed away a few days back. And his daughter, my junior, is the head of the department of the college where I studied. So they had put on YouTube his memorial. They had made a movie of him. It was beautiful to see and it was like heart-wrenching, little scary. Not because, because you saw a young man who got married, who became a teacher, become a prof. Then you could see all his pictures as he grew older and older and older and older and then final day sitting in his chair, grandchildren feeding him and then he's dead and gone. Then you suddenly look at him and say, you know what, this is everybody's life. And some people even don't grow old, they go before that. There's no guarantee, there's no guarantee here anybody will reach. Our allotted time. God says, number your days. You're on a journey. Sharp hairpin curves. You need me to take you through. Every day of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that's the cry of God through scripture. Why is he saying all this? Because he gave us the freedom to choose. He doesn't say that to the animals. Only to us, my son, my daughter, trust me with all your heart. Trust me, listen to me. You will not understand many of the things that I say. Just trust me. Trust me. Lean not. What is that? On your own understanding. It does not mean we don't have brains. But God says your brains are very limited. What do you know? Honestly. It doesn't matter how great a brain you have. We don't know tomorrow. 
our understanding of life is limited. There are no guarantees. So he says, don't lean on your understanding. Listen to me. And if you can understand it, good. If you don't understand, what you don't do is that. Don't lean on me, on your understanding. Instead, lean on me. Trust me with all your heart. Completely. Not on yourself. Not on your understanding. Just think about this. Imagine the government of India brings a rule for all those young people who are studying. You will only have one chance. One exam, one chance. And you have to pass. And you have to pass with a certain percentage. Then you get a job. If you don't pass that exam, no job for you for the rest of your life. What will you do? You won't write the exam. Before that, you will die of BP. Hebrews 9.27 is talking about that. As it is appointed for men to die once, only once, only one life you have on earth, not two. One life. Only one life. And after that, it is judgment. If you are not saved, you are judged differently. If you are saved, you are judged differently. But everyone will be judged. Only one chance. Therefore, the psalmist says, number your days. Be very, very careful how you are going. Scenery may look good. Don't get distracted. Everybody may be in the bus, may be looking at the scenery except the driver. His eyes are on the road. On that place. When you go up, there is a place, it doesn't matter winter, summer, height of summer. If I forgot that place, the place called Gomtu, if I'm right. When you reach there, the fog comes and covers the whole road. Then with that yellow blinkers, you have to slowly go. But the drivers know their road. You can only see one feet, two feet. In that road, they will go. You are panicking in the back. Because you can't see anything. But he sees. Because he's been on that road many, many times. That's what he's talking about. We don't know. We don't. We think we know. We don't know. For salvation, only one name. Not two names. Only one name. There's only one name given under the heavens. And that name is Jesus. Only one name. It's only one way. The way is narrow. It is narrow. Way is difficult. Only one chance. This life. No purgatory. Nothing like that. The Bible doesn't talk about any of these things. Only one chance. So God says, would you trust me with all my heart, all your heart? Would you put your trust in my son for your salvation? And the rest of the journey, would you trust me with all your heart? Don't trust your reason. Don't trust your feelings. The two of believers' enemies, unless it agrees with the word of God. I think, therefore, I am. You become a Vivagananda. I feel, therefore, I am. Both will deceive you. Faith does not depend either on reason or on feelings. It may agree, it may not agree, but faith 
comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. In Romans 11 and verse 33, this is what the word of God says, 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment, his ways past finding out. Beyond my understanding. It is beyond my understanding. I can't even understand. Many of the things which God say, even now we don't understand. We think we understand. Actually, we don't understand. Most of the things, only when we reach the other side, we will understand. Because he is infinite. We are finite. We are caught in this body, in this flesh, in this material realm. Even what we think we understand, we don't understand. So take him on his word. Trust God. What does it mean? Jesus put it in another way. Seek the kingdom of God first. First. How do you know you trust God with all your heart? In any given situation, whatever you trust is where you turn first. Whatever situation, what you trust is where you turn first. That is Daniel. Crisis or no crisis. Good day or bad day. You turn to God first. When you have a sickness, who do you turn first? Christ or doctor? When you have a crisis, where do you turn first? God or man? That's why I said, Make a commitment this year. Lord, it's a little steps you have to make and make it a discipline of turning to God first. Turning to God first. Because whatever you trust is where you turn first. When you trust God with all your heart, you will turn to God first. You'll turn to God first. There are many voices out there. Money has a voice. It speaks very loud. There are people who speak into our lives. There are powerful voices. But you should come to a point when you reach your adulthood in your walk with God where you have come to that point where God has actually become first in your life. God has actually become first in your life. And that's what God is talking about. Otherwise, you're just a follower. And there's no guarantee you will follow all the way. The call of the gospel is to become a disciple. The kingdom of the, the Christendom is full of followers who will fall away. Very few disciples. And it is about discipleship Jesus is talking about. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them. What is he talking about? Great multitudes. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, is his own life. He cannot be my disciple. What is he talking about? No, no, stay there, stay there. What is he talking about here? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about these are voices. These are voices. The voice of your father is a very powerful voice. The voice of your mother is a very powerful voice. 
The voice of your wife is a very powerful voice. Brothers, sisters, they are all powerful voices into your life. If these people don't speak, then it doesn't matter. But they speak into your lives. And he says, whenever you have a choice between my voice and this voice, if you turn to that voice, you cannot be a disciple. You will stop. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about hating your father or mother. Oh, how can God say? It's God is love. He doesn't tell you to hate anybody. Don't misunderstand that word hate. He's not talking about hate. God will never tell you to hate. He says even love your enemies. He's not talking about hate. He's talking about the voices that speak to us. God's voice and another very powerful voice, but it is contrary to what God has spoken. He says, you cannot be You can try whatever you want. You can follow me, but you will never end up as my disciple. Because somewhere along the way, there will be a voice that will stop you. And you will never finish. You cannot. Impossible, he says. It is impossible for you to become a disciple. And this is where the church failed. In making disciples. He says, don't even listen to the voice of your own reason. Not even yourself. Your own voice. Because a lot of people don't listen to any other voice because when education comes in, head becomes double the size and I don't listen to anybody my way. God says, don't even listen to your voice. In Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus says, spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And the next verse 19 says, go and make what? That's where the church failed. We made followers. We didn't make disciples. Making disciples is not very easy. You have to be very, very clear. And when Jesus started this entire process of making disciples, people started leaving. His own disciples left. Those who were called disciples, when the doctrine became hard, they left. Only twelve are left. And one is the son of perdition. Even to them he asked this question, Do you also want to go away? Disciples, is, it's not, the, the way is hard, it's not easy. The gate is narrow. So please don't change it, I will not change it. I cannot change it. Because if I change it, it becomes, does not become the gospel. It becomes something else. And that's what he's talking about, the voices. We have to understand what will actually happen, the reign of Jesus Christ. Understand how this is all going to end. Okay, if you turn with me to First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. In 15, he's coming to the climax in that letter, the first epistle of the church in Corinth. This is what he says. Each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. This is the order it will happen at the end. Then comes the end. When will the end come? When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. Yesterday's Q&A also, there was a question I answered them. The end is not going to come now when Jesus comes. The end will only come a thousand years after Jesus comes. At the end of a thousand year rule of Jesus Christ, he will hand the kingdom over to the Father. That is Revelation 21. That is when eternity begins. Till then he is ruling. When will he hand the kingdom over to the Father? After he has destroyed every rebellion in this universe. Every voice that rebelled against the voice of his Father. He is subduing these voices now. 
That's what he is doing. When he comes, Father, when he puts an end to all rule, all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. He should put all his, and that's exactly what we are asking, he's asking us to do. My worst enemies are not outside. They are irrelevant. My worst enemy is inside. And all those enemies have to be brought under the feet of Jesus Christ. That's your flesh. The voices that speak to you. And you have to bring those enemies. They are your enemies of your born again soul. They are his enemies. And grace is given so that we can subdue those enemies. Subdue those enemies. And he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. When does that happen? It happens only in end of Revelation 20. After the thousand years, even death is thrown into the lake of fire. Till then, death will reign. Even when Jesus rules for a thousand years, people may live up to a hundred, hundred plus years, but death is still there. People still will die. We are not talking about the saints who come to rule along with him. We are talking about the people who came through tribulation, flesh and blood people. They will repopulate the earth and it is it is a good rule of Jesus Christ. Sin will not be allowed to manifest because sin is still there. He will rule with the iron rod of iron. That's why he needs sanctified saints to rule over them. When Satan is released at the end of the thousand years, he will turn all these people against Christ and his saints. That is when the end will come. He will destroy with fire. Sin is still there. Therefore, death is still there. But the final, last enemy that is destroyed is death. That you see in the end of Revelation 20. And then, for he has put all things under his feet. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident who put all things under him is accepted. Who is that? The Father. Father has put all things under his feet, but the Father is apart. The son is ruling on behalf of the father. But once he has brought every enemy under his feet, he will take the kingdom and he will give it to the father. And what happens? Now when all things are made subject to him, then the son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be all in all. God may be all. And God is coming and says, My son, you can have it now. Trust me with all your heart. One day I will be all in all. God in all, all in God. It is the spirit of God in every man. There will be nothing of flesh, nothing of sin, nothing of self, nothing. It is Christ-like men and women. That is the kingdom of God. God says, why don't you start now? This is the end. And we should be excited about this. This is how it will end. And that's why the beautiful narrative in Revelation 21 about Jerusalem coming down and the father wiping away the tears and you are my son, I'll be a father forever. And all that narrative is after a thousand years. But we can start now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for it. So there it is. Therefore, the voices are there. Because we make choices according to the voices. Where there is no voice, there is no choice. There are voices. And there are powerful voices. 
the very powerful voices in every man's life every woman's life every child's life there are powerful voices in genesis chapter 12 verse 1 a most powerful voice now the lord had said not said had said to abraham get out of your country from your family from your father's house to a land i will show you please understand genesis 12:1 is the second time god is speaking to abraham not the first time unless you read scripture whenever you read scripture genesis 11:12 with joshua 24 and acts chapter 7 then you will realize this is he is speaking to him in haran god had told him So what happened? He listened to another voice. He listened to the voice of his father. Listen to the voice of father. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 51 verse 1 and 2. Listen to me you who follow after righteousness. Who seek the Lord. He says look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him. I didn't call his father. I didn't call his mother. I didn't call him uncles, his brothers. I didn't call his name. I didn't call him. I just called him and Sarah. But he took everybody with him and he stopped. Okay. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Okay. Okay. It's not that you shouldn't listen to your voice of your father. In this case, first his father was an unbeliever. Was not a believer. Because Joshua 24 says Abraham's forefathers worshiped idols. on the other side of the river so he's basically talking about make a separation from your unbelieving family don't let them speak to you please remember this god never told isaac to leave his father never told isaac to leave his father he stayed with his father not in the same tent separate tent so if your father is a mature senior believer stay near him don't stay with him give him his privacy you have your privacy but you can stay very near him because he will not speak into your life contrary so don't take this and run with this and say today i am going to separate no be very careful don't run don't get your feelings into this thing listen to what god is saying over here in this case his father was not a believer but he listened to his father's voice we don't know when god first spoke to him when he was in the ur of the chaldeans stephen will say in acts chapter 7 let us presume god spoke to him when he was 60 years old when did he enter into the promised land 75 how many years did he waste 15 you think 15 years is a joke how many of us have lost more than that because we took a wrong turning in our life we didn't listen to the voice of god oh. 15 years is not a joke of course he lived for 175 years so 15 years may not look do we live 175 years if we live 75 we are lucky we are talking about time and choices what we lose by making wrong choices is we lose time to finish our race to finish our task that was the entire offertory song about of course god is gracious of course god is mercy and he may give you grace to finish towards the end but don't count on it the problem is not with god the problem is with us because the older you get more stubborn you become more self-willed we become it's more difficult to change when you are old 
while you are very easy to change when you are young. What did God tell him? Leave. Don't lean on your own understanding. What he leaned on is on his father's understanding. And he was stuck. You need to realize, until his father died, meaning that other voice he was listening to him died, God did not speak to him. If God is not speaking to you, it's because you are listening to another voice. God will never play second fiddle in your life. He will never, ever be second in anybody's life. Doesn't matter how sanctified you may feel. He will not speak to you. Until that voice stops. That is God's nature. He is either God or he is not. He is either Lord or he is not. So many people have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation, but they don't trust him. And if you don't trust him, he cannot lead you. He cannot speak to you. Abraham did not trust God enough to take, leave his father behind. And God did not speak to him. The next time God speaks to him is when his father dies. The voice is still. Now God speaks. Because he knows. Now there is no contrary voice in your life. He says, Abraham, leave. And he enters into the promised land. God appears to him, gives him the promises. Our understanding is not so good. Is it good? Think about, even if you are young sitting over here, think about the decisions you have made in your young life. If given a chance, how many of you would like to go back and change it? Let me honestly tell you, let me be honestly brutal. If God were to give you a chance, everyone a chance, you can go back 20 years, 25 years, whatever your age is, depending, and restart. We won't be here. Most of you won't be even married to the people you are married to. You wouldn't have the children you have. You wouldn't have the jobs you have. Because deep inside you know, I made my choice. And I goofed up. Now I am trying, asking God, just carry me along, please. I can't change certain things. But if you could, that's why God says to the young ones, you don't have to goof up. You don't have to waste 15 years and fight every day of your life. You can make the right decision now. You can choose now. I am there for you. Don't trust your understanding. Don't trust your feelings. They all lie. Trust God. With all your heart, fully, completely, fully, completely, trust him with all your heart. You will not understand. Abraham, yes Lord, leave your country, leave your father's house, leave your household. Trust me, leave them. How can I leave them? How can I leave daddy? How can I leave my brother? And this poor fellow, he has no father also. How can I leave them? I'll take them along. Oh, I stopped. Trust me, Abraham. Go back to Proverbs chapter 3. 5 and 6. Trust him with all your heart. 
Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. All acknowledgement, acknowledgement has become just a, that is not what it means in the Bible. That is not what it means in the Bible. Acknowledge Him in what? All your ways. That means, know God intimately. Bring Him into every decision you make. Learn to bring Him into every decision you have to take. That's what God is talking about. Every decision you can bring. That's where you read the word of God. When you read, like I said, the word of God is full of precepts and principles and patterns. Yesterday in the question, we had a question. And he said, you know what? If you read the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, the beginnings, you have primarily a few women mentioned by name. You have Sarah, you have Rebecca, you have Rachel, you have Leah, and then you have Mrs. Lot, because God, Jesus says, remember Lord, Mrs. Lot. Okay? So you have primarily these people. And you can learn from each of these people. And you can find a pattern into which you fit. And you can realize, either learn from them or don't be like them. The only one God recommends is Sarah. He doesn't recommend Rebecca. The saddest story of a woman in the Bible for me personally is Rebecca. What a start. What a terrible finish. Do you know when she died? Do you know where she was when she was buried? Nothing. She just goes away into history. Just disappears into history. It's a pattern to be learned. You can begin well in your marriage and end up so terribly that God won't even record your name in his history. Because you usurped something which was not your right. Rachel died on the road. She didn't reach Bethlehem. She just died on the way. She deceived both her father and her husband, the two voices. Leah, miserably married to an unloving husband. Another pattern. When is she set free? She's set free when she has a fourth child. She looks up and she realizes, there is someone who loves me. Let me praise him. And she's free in her marriage now. She doesn't need the love of her father. Or she doesn't need another baby. The Bible says when she has a fourth child, she stops bearing. It's later she starts bearing again. Why? She realized, I can still praise God. I don't have to be a slave in my marriage. Longing, waiting, longing. These are all patterns, principles established. And God will speak to you through these people, whether it is a man or a woman. He will speak to you. The Bible is full Full of patterns for men and women and children. But these are all voices that speak to us. And it is the spirit of Christ that is speaking to us saying that. In the new covenant, if you are young and not married yet, don't get married until you have meditated on First Corinthians chapter 7. That is the chapter on marriage. Once you read that, the first question you will is, you will go back to God and ask, should I get married or not? It's the first question. Not who to marry, whether I should get married or not. Because the Bible says, he who is not married pleases the Lord. I can please God without distractions. But to get married is not wrong, also Paul says. And Jesus also recommended that in the new covenant. There are those who made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. So don't idolize marriage. Go to God, he will tell you. 
He will tell somebody to get married. He will tell Jeremiah not to get married. Listen to the voice of God. If God tells you to get married, you don't get married, you will be miserable. But God tells you not to get married, you get married, you will be miserable. But if you are married, Paul says, don't separate. Everything is there in the Bible. There will You will never face a single issue in life which is not tackled by the word of God. Either in precept, in principle, in pattern or person. It is all there. Not a single area. You ask God, he will show you. That's the power of God's word. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Don't be very sure you understood what he said. Sometimes we presume I understood. Because I sat and I looked directly into the pastor's face and I took notes also. That doesn't mean you understood anything. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, this to Abraham, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He brought him forth abroad and said, Look down towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, he said, So shall thy seed be. He was talking about Jesus. Your seed will be like that. Paul will ratify it in Galatians chapter 3. Till today, I do not understand. Here it is seed. And Paul will clarify through the Holy Spirit. Abraham, God was telling Abraham, it is about Jesus, the singular seed. But you find out nine out of ten translations will make it dissonance. How did they go wrong? When scripture proves that translation is wrong, almost in every language. How can people go so wrong? Because every place I go and I try to preach in different languages or get translated, I said, every place it is wrong. That's why we have to go to KJV. KJV gets it right. It is singular. It is seed. And Paul will say in Galatians 3, he is talking about Jesus, the singular, the seed. In Christ, your descendants. But the issue is there. He tells him. And what happens in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 2. Sir, I said to Abraham, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Did he? Okay. Your wife said to you, God said to you, wife said, did you go back to God and acknowledge him in all your ways? Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to do? But this is a very powerful voice. The voice of his father. Father is dead. They are all gone. Now you are in Haran. Your voice is, of your wife is a very powerful voice. Did he go to God and cross it? No, he didn't. What did he produce? Ishmael. Look at Genesis 16 and verse 16. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. In 17.1, Abraham was 99 years old. Lord appeared to him. How many years did God not speak to him? 13 years. He didn't speak to him. Because you cannot speak to him because you already listened to another voice. It has produced a child. The child is growing. Your eyes are all over the child. You have believed this is the purpose of God. No point talking to this guy. 
That ministry has to die before God can speak. You are not ready to hear anything from me. You are not ready. You are not ready to hear anything from me. And a lot of people, God will not speak to them. Because even in Genesis 17, 13 years later, when God comes and speaks to Abraham, Abraham's cry is, Oh, I pray Ishmael will live before you. He says, Not Ishmael. It is Isaac. Can God speak? Will we acknowledge him in all our ways? Or only the ways which we like? This is where we need to understand. This is, this is where we lose time. Already Abraham has lost, let us say, 20 years in Haran. Now he's lost 13 years in the promised land. How many years have gone of his life? And he's so pivotal to God's history. He's the father of faith. He's the one through Israel will be birthed. And he's wasting his time. Because he does not acknowledge God in all his ways. That's how we waste our time. So we learn from him. Look unto Abraham. Look at his mistakes too. Learn from the mistakes of the great ones so that we don't go that route. In the process, 13 years in the promised land, already 10 years are up. Understand that. So 23 years are over. Okay, 23 years. 20, he entered at 75. So 24 years are over. What is he doing? Aimlessly wandering. He just aim. And you see people aimlessly wandering in life. Are they busy? Yes. Is their busyness taking them anywhere? Nowhere. Why? Because they haven't heard the voice of God. And God cannot speak to them because they are listening to other voices. But what will happen if today is the day of judgment? What will you stand before God and answer? Yet God has a very clear defined purpose for everyone. Everyone in the body of Christ he has. But he cannot speak unless the other voices cease. He's moving in the promised land. Like his children would move in the wilderness. 40 years going nowhere. In circles. That's what the Bible is saying. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge him in all your ways. So when you become an adult and you know God, you have to learn these disciplines to the GTLC parents on Thursday morning because they were parents and therefore to children it is not the same pattern. The first voice the child has to hear and obey is the voice of his or her parents. The father speaks, the mother speaks. Those are two very powerful voices. So parents, be very careful that you speak the voice of God into their lives. The child needs the father's voice and the mother's voice. God does not speak to a child. He speaks through the parents. The next voice the child will hear is the voice of the priest. He goes to the church or synagogue in the old case. He Not school. That is information. Information does not do anything other than make an uneducated fool into an educated fool. That's because God said, you fool. And he was educated because he was very rich. 
he used business principles and amassed wealth, but God called him a fool. Only thing education does is makes an uneducated fool into an educated fool. And that is not what we are talking about. We are talking about the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God. The parents speak to him. Then he or she needs to be in church where he hears from the priest the voice of God. And then one day, God will be able to speak to him. That is the ideal pattern. Samuel had the voice of his father and his mother speak to him about God. And then when he goes to the temple, he has Eli or Eli, whichever way you want to pronounce, speaking to him. Because the Bible says, he ministered unto the Lord before Eli, meaning he's listening to this voice. No, Samuel, that's not the way. This is the way. This is the way to do it. This is the way. So he's before, not beside not behind, before. He's being guided by the voice of the priest. The father has spoken, the mother has spoken, the priest has spoken. A day comes when God will speak. When God speaks, he speaks to him in the voice of the priest because he runs to the priest. Why? Because God spoke to him in the temple. On the other hand, if God had spoken to him at home, he would have gone to his father or mother and asked him, Mommy, did you call me? Mama would have said, No, I didn't call you. So God speaks to us in voices. And then God speaks to him. And the word of God says, the word of the Lord came to Samuel in Shiloh. And after that, the word of the Lord went from Samuel to all of Israel. This is a pattern. But if one voice is missing, you will struggle in life. Solomon had a wonderful father. And a wonderful mother. Everything he's talking about is listening to your father and mother. He's talking about David and Bethsaida. But you know what he did not have? He did not have a priest to speak to him. There was no priest or prophet who spoke to him. Therefore, when he fell away, there was nobody to restore him. He had no voice. He had no voice to restore. And I'm telling you to people, you always need a priestly voice to speak to you. Because when your life goes out of tangent, when your marriage goes on to tangent, if you do not have an authoritative favor to speak to you, your marriage will not come back. Your life will not come back. You need a voice to speak to you. Even Solomon, with all the wisdom, who asked God for a wisdom, fell away. Because he did not have a voice that would speak to him, which you would recognize. And God came to him twice or thrice and warned him directly because Solomon again is pivotal in Israel's history and he refused to heed the voice of God. We don't have time to waste. We need to listen. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 11 and verse 3. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. Every man sitting here, standing here, every man better learn to hear from Christ. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. What is the function of the head? To speak. It's my head that is speaking. My arms are not speaking. My legs are not speaking. It is my head that is speaking. The head of every man is Christ. It is your personal commitment and duty to learn to hear from God. Men, men, 
It's a solemn duty that you have studied your word, you do your daily devotions, your closet is never empty, you hear from God, and then you are able to speak to your spouse and to your family. And the head of woman is, the head of woman is not Christ. Is not Christ. Get that clear right now, young girls. The head of woman is not Christ. It is man. And you want God to circumvent the order, he will not do it. He has never done it in history. Not even to his own mother Mary. Only once. After that, everything that has to be spoken about Jesus was spoken to the father and never to the mother. Never to the mother. He never spoke to the mother again. That is the way. Then he will ask, what if my husband is not a believer? There will be a man. The temple you go to. I'm not talking about the temple in the old covenant terms. There will be a priest who will speak to you. Listen carefully. If a husband does not believe, be very careful. You listen to the voice that comes from the pulpit because God will speak to you through another man. And he will speak to you very clearly. This is the direction you need to go. The man may not even realize he's speaking to you, but you will realize God is speaking to me. That is why he tells very clearly in the scripture, I do not allow women to speak in the church. I do not allow because he is subverting his order. One of the problems we have had so many years, every pastor's conference is women will come and they will bring Deborah. I said, what about Deborah? It was a time where there were no men and Barak was a sissy. Even when God spoke through Deborah to Barak, he said, if you don't come, I will not go. Now you know why he needed a Deborah, because there was no man to speak. It's an extraordinary circumstances. And you want to take the extraordinary and make the ordinary? Still he refuses. So finally she says, you know what? This day, the glory will belong to a woman, which is not good. Glory should go to man. Because the glory of the woman is man. The glory of man is God, Christ. Today glory will go to a woman. It is not good. Understand principles. Stay firm. Don't look at the other voices on earth. Don't listen to all these things. God will not speak to a feminist. Until feminism dies in you. He will not speak to any humanist until humanism dies in you. He will not speak. Either he is God or he is not. And our issues are, almost all our issues in life is because God doesn't speak. God speaks. So don't be a headless wonder. Be very sure you have a head. If you are a man, be very sure I have heard from Christ. From my home. And if you are a woman, you should be very sure, I have heard from my man. And if he's a man who does not listen to God, then Lord, speak to me. But I will not take the reins. You still lead me. You still lead me. James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, without reproach. It will be given. It will be given. Liberally. That's what we need. What do I need for daily life? Not money. Wisdom. 
What wisdom is the mind of Christ to make daily decision in the small things and the big things? I need wisdom. God gives liberally, only on one condition. Verse 6 and 7. Let him ask in faith, meaning absolute trust, without, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he's Double-minded words, eight will say, double-minded. Meaning he's listening to two voices at the same time. Let me tell you, that is one of the reasons people don't receive any answers in the prayer closet because God refuses to speak to people who listen to two voices. He will not speak. Even if it's Abraham, he won't speak to him. You know why we don't pray? Because we listen to two voices. God will not speak to us. God will speak to us when he's the only voice. Let him not, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. All you receive is the same rain that falls on the unjust, nothing else. Your purpose is not defined, your plan is not defined, because you are very, very, that's what I said, the church is full of hustlers. Not to hear from God to obey his will, but to hear from God to see whether he will listen to you. And God doesn't speak to them. These are very clear things, very clear, because we need wisdom. And he gives wisdom liberally. Double-minded? No answers. So you know what happens? On Sunday morning, we are religious. Monday, we are secular. We are what the Greeks call hypocrites. We put a different mask tomorrow. Did you acknowledge God in all your ways? Or only on Sunday? The question is, how long will the worldwide church float like this before they hit the iceberg like Titanic and sink? The great crash is coming. You are not talking about economic crash. It is coming. Those who have fallen upon the rock The rock is coming. It's rolling down from heaven. And when it falls, it will crush everybody. Don't misunderstand the first coming of Jesus Christ with the second coming. First coming, he came as the loving Lamb of God to save. Second time, he is not coming to save anybody. He is not coming to save anybody. He is coming to judge. Don't don't believe a gospel which is not there in the Bible. The book of Revelation doesn't talk about the love of the lamb. It talks about the wrath of the lamb. It's the most funny words that can be. How can a lamb be angry? You will know. We will know. Second Corinthians 11 and verse 28. Besides other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. This is personal. This is my deep concern. Which you do not know. After today, I will hear from all my churches. They are underground churches. They cannot gather like us. They all tune in and listen from all kind of VPNs so they cannot be tracked. They do. All of them do. So they are entirely dependent in so many ways on us. That means it begins with worship. If you haven't done your homework, I will know today. They won't complain. 
They say, we wait. It's not your gifts. It's not your skills on instruments. The only thing that counts is the anointing. The anointing doesn't flow freely. It's a price to be paid for the anointing. When we talk about Peter, Peter don't get upset. It is not that Peter is a better singer than others. No, it is not. There are two symbolisms in the kingdom of God. One is called the threshing floor. That's where God separates the shaft from the wheat. There's another thing called the wine press. Wine press is where he treads upon the grapes and the wine comes which can be used. Peter was not what he came at the end, how he came in. He had to go through the wine press and to be crushed before the anointing started flowing. All of you are in the wine press, but you are fighting the feet of God. You all have your personal problems. You all have your family problems. You are not turning it around for the anointing to flow. All of us have gone through, still going through it. What do we turn? We see this as a fiery trial to purify us, to make us more malleable in the hands of God, more usable in the hands of God. We don't fight God. We go in with Him. So it begins with worship. It begins with prayer. Let me honestly ask you, after that comes prayer. All of you sitting over here, how many can I call who will immediately come and pray and obey? How many have submitted to the discipline of prayer? Then we are asked from the pulpit, brother, sister, come and pray. And if you pray, we will know anointing is flowing. How many can commit yourself? That means your closets are empty. I'm challenging you in this 15 year. Three things matter in the church when a service takes place. It's the worship, it's the prayer, and it is the word. Word, we do our work. We slog day in and day out from 3.25 in the morning. On a regular basis we are up and we are on our face before God because we need to hear from God. Worship, we put you in different teams once a month. Can you do your homework? It is not in my hands, it's in your hands. Individually on your face before God, Lord. Let me not be the stumbling block. Let not anything in me be the stumbling block. Let it flow, let me die. You live through me. The worship takes off over here. The prayer takes off here. And the word takes off here. We are done. We have served Him continually. Not before worship can take place here. It has to take place in your personal life. Before prayer can take place here, prayer has to take place in your personal closet. Because before the word can come out from here, the servant of God has to hear from God in his closet. That's what God is talking about. My deep, he's on top of everything. My deep concern for all the churches. Little children right from Afghanistan and the Middle East. Pastor, today worship was so dull. So we listen to, after the service is over, we listen to another of the old worship because we want to worship. They're all Muslim converts. So all of you have a part to play. And you can. It is not about instruments. It's not about instruments. It's not about your talents. In the kingdom of God, none of these things matter. The only thing that matters is will the anointing flow. To anointing to flow, you would have met, should have met God before that and say, Lord, here I am. I'm just a vessel. I am nobody. I am 
nobody. And we sang that song today. What is the song we sang? Channels only. Blessed master. That's all we are. We are just a channel. But if the channel is blocked, what flows out? Nothing. What flows out is flesh. Spirit has blocked. Flesh is flowing out. It shouldn't be that way. Because even the greatest of anointed of men of God can get blocked. Jehoshaphat is there. The other fellow is there. And Elisha hasn't heard a word from the Lord. He says, get a, get a musician. I'm not hearing from God. Get a musician. I need music. A musician comes and he worships. And Elisha hears. So worship is pivotal. You have to receive it that way. I will serve God content. Even if it's the smallest thing that you are doing, I told that, even if you are putting up and dismantling this, you know in the old covenant what they were called? Levites. You are a Levite. Be a Levite, a true Levite. This is my duty in the house of God and I am on my job. But one primary condition for everyone who serves God in any capacity is the word of God. If you are not there for the word of God, if you are not listening to at least one more message on a Sunday, then what are you doing serving God? How can you serve God without the word? Because it's the word that teaches you, equips you, directs your service. We don't want hirelings. And God does not like hirelings. He wants bond servants. I always think about the people Noah must have hired to build his boat. It's not easy to build a ship. So he must have hired a lot of people. They heard the message, they built the ark, and then drowned in the flood. And that's how many churches will be. Both the pastors and the worship team will go to hell. Because they were just hirelings. They never laid down their lives for the will of God to work in their lives. God doesn't want hirelings. He does not have hirelings. Yes, committed people. Whatever you do, maybe a very little thing, give it your best because I am doing it for God. This is my service directly connected with the kingdom of God. Do it that way. Your best. It makes life easy. For the ministry, it makes life easy. That's what God is talking about. Little things. Trust God completely. All your heart. In all your ways. In all the little details. That is why these things don't matter. I will see from there. Put it back. Do I do that in my house now? Do I do this here? Yes. Why? There's a difference. That's my house. This is his house. In his house... When the word goes, there should be no distraction. If I leave it like that, I will tell you, you will be distracted. Half the time you will be looking at the sunlight coming through the window, but there should be no distraction in the house of God. All attention should be on Christ and not on man. Little, little things. You have to believe. When I come in, when I go out, till then, for me, this is my father's house. And I will be Faithful, not like Moses. I'll be faithful like Jesus, not as a slave, as a son. The little things and the big things. Romans 14, verse 23, my favorite words about faith. 
He who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. What does God bring faith? To the most common thing in our life. What is that? Eat. Let me ask you this question. Do you eat by faith? Do you bring faith? See, if we eat by faith, most of us will not be ill most of the time. Remember that slogan, I said yesterday also, the slogan in BBC, which got the first prize. If you don't eat your food like medicine, you will end up eating medicine like your food. 40 years in the wilderness. They fought and complained all the time. It was basically about food. But God didn't give in to their appetites except once. He forced them to eat what he gave them. And the Bible says, there was none ill among them. None feeble among them. The food worked for their body. It didn't touch their soul. They received manna that was physical, ate it. They rejected the word of God from Moses. So their souls, the Bible says, wasted away. So they saw the promised land and they heard another voice and they said, we can't fight. We are not going. They had no strength in their soul to face their enemies. Are you strong in your soul? Are you well in your body? That's what God is trying. Do you eat by faith? This is a book of faith. This book tells you what to eat and what not to eat. How to eat, how to fast. Everything is here. Don't discard the entire book of Leviticus and only see Peter's sheet. Rise, kill and eat. That's all they see. Every day morning they wake up and they see this sheet coming in full of unclean things and all they say is kill and eat. The entire book of Leviticus is thrown away. It is healthy. Why would God say certain things? It is very healthy not to eat those things. And to stick to God's diet. You know what? Because everything is contaminated. And then on top of that, God comes and says, If you receive it with thanksgiving, what you eat is sanctified by prayer and by word. That's why we say grace. That's why we pray over our food. In this contaminated world, when it comes onto my table, there is something that will change it. One, the word, that is faith. Second, it is the prayer offered in faith. Even if you take poison, it shall not harm you. Because it's poison. Everything is poison. Even this water is poison. There's nothing that's not poison anymore in this world. Everything is poison. But it should not kill us. What changes? Faith changes it. You bring faith into everything. That's what it says. Acknowledging him in all his ways. Disease is a name. It's a name. Every disease has a name. If they don't have a name, they will put one new name. Initials, numbers and all, they will give it. Don't worry. But there is a name far above all this name. Until God has spoken to you like Saul, Paul, if he has not spoken to you, speak to that disease every day. Don't let it rule you. For scripture was fulfilled. He took our infirmities and diseases upon himself. What did he release? If he carried my disease, then why am I carrying it? I have only one issue, is with my nose. I fight it every day. I don't take medication. As far, 
course, if I have to preach, like it happened two Saturdays back, when the Q&A started, it started dripping. I couldn't do anything. And I had everywhere from US to UAE, everybody writing, take Claritin, Pastor, take Claritin, Claritin, Claritin. And I didn't realize I sounded so terrible. But it happened then. Otherwise, Roman, don't take it. Because you know what? If God can speak to a tree and the tree curses, I can speak to my nose. And I speak to my nose. First thing in the morning, when I go up at 3.26, not 3.27, 3.26 before the mirror is, I speak to my nose. By 3.30, the coffee is ready, I'm sitting at my table. I have time to myself, five minutes. That's where the alarm rings, not once, twice, at 3.25. Why? You're numbering your days. I want to finish my race. I know I have only this much time left. And I'm not going to let some stupid snow stop me when he has taken my infirmities and diseases. So until he says, carry it, I will not. I will speak to it. So don't magnify your disease. Magnify Christ. Christ. Because this is the word of God. In Exodus 15, 26, even before the law is given, anything is given to Israel. Nothing has been given to Israel. Do you know what the first thing he says? If you diligently listen to my voice and obey my commandments. Did you have it? Voice, heed the voice of the Lord your God. Do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments. Keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. That is he. It's God. Listen to his voice. Obey him. Not other voices. We love our doctors. But let them deal with the Gentiles. Twice in my life I had to have two surgeries. Each time God spoke to me very clearly, go get it operated. I wouldn't until he spoke to me. He said, do it. And I did it. Get it done. I'm not negating medicine. <laughs> Don't misunderstand me. If you're on medication, take your medication. Speak to your disease. Okay. God did not tell, uh, I, uh, when Hezekiah was given 15 years back, God didn't tell Isaiah, go to Hezekiah and lay hands upon him and pray. He said, make a poultice or fix and put it on that boil. And he was healed. We're not negating medication. Please don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying is fight it with the weapons that has been. Bring faith into everything. Apply faith into your studies. People don't apply faith into their studies. You know why? Because they have their own dreams. I'm telling you, when I was in IFLU and I was doing my PhD, I struggled day and night. Because humanities is voices, many voices, multiple voices, and then the voice of God. Struggle, 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 struggle. Whatever I write, they will not accept because I try to be a voice of God. Then where will they accept the voice of God? It was a battle in the mind. And finally God said, you want to do this? You want to do this? I said, okay, I quit fighting. Put it away. Everything opened. The Bible was, you know what, after I quit my PhD, I understood my PhD. But now I cannot go back and do it. Everything became very clear. 
It was as if he became the stumbling block. You are not going to listen to two voices. You are going to listen to my voice or that voice. Which voice? You think God does not have a career for you? Have you asked him? If he tells him, you, will you listen? Will you listen? That's the first question. Will you listen? If you were to listen, life would be so easy. So easy. We haven't come to the final part of it. He shall make your path straight. He shall make your path straight. A lot of things he has to do before the path can become straight. Luke chapter 4. It is written in the book, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. What is it? Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the glory of God. And they see you, they will know it is God and not you. But before that, every valley has to be filled. Every hill has to be brought down. Every crooked way has to be made straight. And these rough paths have to be made straight. Can the valley be filled? The world is full of depressed people. Discouraged, depressed people. Wallowing in depression. That's a valley. Into the valley, when I was talking about that road, to Thimpu, you come to a particular place, the highest point. Deep down you see the valley. In the valley, the sunlight comes only for a couple of hours. The sun has to come to that point where it can count, come through these two huge mountain ranges and the valley gets light for an hour or two hours. People who live in the valley is like that. They don't have light. They don't have light. The valley has to be filled. You have to listen to the voice of God. You've been listening to too many other voices. And you're discouraged. You are depressed. I'm not getting into it. Let's go to communion. We shall look at it probably on the third Sunday. Do you remember the Samaritan woman? You remember that? You couldn't find a more depressed woman. That's a depressed woman. Married five times. Living with the sixth one. Still nobody to go with her to get some water. And Jesus went and waited for her. Depressed. Down in the dumps. In the valley. She thought marriage was a solution. If you're depressed, marriage is not your solution. There are no solutions for depressed people, discouraged people outside Christ. You have to meet him. He's the one who rise, raises her from the valley of despondency. Just lifts her. He said, if you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me for water and the water that I give you, you drink, you will never thirst again. It's a liberated woman who runs to the city and says, come and see. Come and see. This man said everything about me. Is he the Messiah? Because he told her, I who speak to you is the Messiah.
to meet him. And it doesn't matter. He just lifts you up. She has been piled and piled and piled. First marriage, rejected. Second marriage, abused. Third marriage, beaten up. Fourth marriage, fifth marriage, sixth marriage. She's full. Seventh, sixth one, she's just living with him. But uh, will you come with me to get some water? No. I want to be seen with you at night. I don't want to be seen with you during day. And she goes in the midday hour. And Christ meets her. Valley. Every valley has to be filled. The light has to come in. You have to see yourself in the light of who God says you are in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. You listen to so many voices. Now listen to this voice. Who does he say you are? Who does he say you are? Come, worship team, come. Come, Pastor Vijay, elders, come. Shall we pray, Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We thank you, Father. There was no self in you. It is all about the Father. The will of the Father. The desire of the Father. It is all about the Father for you. And it has to be all about you for us. And as I partake today of the elements of your body and your blood, I pray, Father, this first Sunday of the 15th year, we would rededicate ourselves as a church, as individuals and as families to serve you, to obey you continuously, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Just a channel for a blessing to the thirsty heart surround to tell out thy full salvation all thy loving message found channels only as a master come with all thy wondrous power
anybody missing the bread anybody missing the cup i already took the bread shall we partake of the bread the emblem of his body that hung on the cross for us but not a bone was broken for scripture should be fulfilled shall we partake of the emblem of his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins our iniquity our transgression our rebellion pass the cup to the end of the aisle I pray you have eaten and drunk in faith it will strengthen you it will heal you it will awaken your spirits so we come to the close as we come to the close all the young people will come awake when they hear my final illustration we are already smiling in anticipation this is from titanic by the way you all smile cat is out of the bag i have been watched titanic I heard about this illustration many years ago to be very sure from the pulpit I don't go wrong even about a movie I watched that clip this morning only that clip not the one before or the one after the most iconic clip in titanic the guy's name supposedly is jack and the woman's name is rose <coughs> i didn't know till today honest i haven't watched titanic show lay not wasted worth wasting my time okay that clip begins with rose saying i changed my mind he tells are you here she says i changed my mind in the bible it's called repentance <laughs> so i like that clipping because it begins with a young lady saying i changed my mind now they're standing near the edge of the ship on the top deck near the railings so jack tells rose give me your hand and close your eyes and she's scared he says give me your hand and close your eyes and step up and hold on to the railings keep your eyes closed and hold on hold on and she's scared and he asks her a question do you trust me do you trust me she closes her eyes stands on the railing and she says i trust you then he says open your eyes she's standing there on the edge of the ship like this and she says i am fly just a movie 2000 years ago somebody hung on the cross and he's telling you and me do you trust me do you trust me if you trust me shut your ear to the other voices close your eyes and hold on 
when you trust him and you hold on to him and cling to the cross, you will also realize, I am flying. That's exactly what he told Israel. I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to me. You may not understand what's happening in your life. Even Job, the righteous Job, did not understand. Do you know what he said? Even if you slay me, I will trust you. If what is happening in my life ultimately ends in my death, I will never, ever stop trusting you. The question is not about faith. You all believe to be saved. The question is, do you trust God with the little things of life, the big things of the life? Do you trust him with all your heart? Will you acknowledge him in all your ways? Start today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Start today. Lord, I will listen to your voice. I will read my word. Every spare minute after I have done all the things which I need to do, I will listen to the word. Every day there is something and I will listen to the word. I will make time to listen to the word. I'm telling you, and I choose the three decisions the church has taken. I will obey. I will obey. You know what? When you fail, we'll all fail. We'll fail today too. When we fail, repent. You know what repentance is? It's obedience. When you fail and don't repent, that is disobedience. You know what repentance is? Repentance is obedience. When you fail, You go back to the voice. You know who you have failed. Go back to him and say, Father, I failed you today. I come back to you. Would you forgive me? And he says, forgive him. Now receive grace. You don't have to fail in that area again. Repentance is obedience. An act of will is an act of obedience. I will obey you. I will pray. Every spare moment I have, I will just pray. A prayer here, a prayer there, a prayer for this one, I pray for that one. I will pray. I'll make my life in the life of prayer. And I will serve you continually. I will like your son. He's my model, my role model. Is him. He delighted to do his father's will. Whatever I do, whatever I do, Lord, help me to delight in it. Let me know you are not, this man is not my boss. You are my boss. I am doing it for you. If you are a housewife, you are cooking, cook for Jesus. Oh, we have it, no? He's a silent listener to every conversation. True. Cook for him. How would you cook for him? How would you do things for him? You don't have to go overboard. Life is not as Jesus. He said, "My commandments are not burdens." You know that is that one line about Jacob, which is true and false. Those fourteen years felt like few days because of his great love for Rachel. What a waste! But it should be like that. All the years of my life. Like feels like a few days because of my love for Christ. 
for all things work together for those who love not whom god loves god loves everybody for those who love god one two those who are called you are all called that's not enough once you are called you need to discover your purpose if you haven't discovered your purpose all things don't work for you you may be working contrary to your purpose and you must be wondering what's happening in my life those who love god those who are called and those who have discovered purpose everything starts falling into place in hindsight one day you will look and you will be able to say yes the devil the man meant it for evil god meant it for good he never says my brother sold me nor does the word of god god says your brother sold you he says the lord sent a man before them what a different perspective from heaven and on earth brother says let him sell him god says i send a man before them and all things worked out together for joseph's good because he loved god love god be sure you are called because for all those who are called christ crucified the power of god and the wisdom of god discover purpose you don't have to discover it will discover you it will discover you you do one and two three will automatically come into your life you will only realize later yes my mother sitting there it is seven years so do you think what do you think was her purpose in 87 years you may think poor thing comes every sunday sleeps what do you think her purpose was her only purpose in life was to birth me nothing else and she did it she's fulfilled her purpose she did not she's already fulfilled her purpose if she had in birth to me this voice in the wilderness would not have gone to the nations she birthed five children only one became a voice don't even think you know your purpose you may discover your purpose only at the end of your life that's why you see characters in the bible appearing and disappearing what was mary's purpose only one birth jesus let it be unto me according to your word the minute she said it purpose is fulfilled now she cannot go wrong in life she's fulfilled her purpose abraham had only one purpose birth isaac and walk through the land you shall walk through the land therefore he lived in tents that was his purpose birth and isaac and walk the land he walked and he walked and he walked 450 years later his descendants came and possessed the land their forefather had walked and in god's name they took the purpose so you just have to you won't even understand purpose sometimes but you have to fulfill it you will discover it later because i kept one and two i have fulfilled the purpose Paul is saying I finished my race. Let me tell you, if you are a 21st century preacher, would you say I fulfilled my race when you all most of your life you were not preaching, you were lying in jail? What you did? Why? Because every epistle practically was written from prison on which the church was built. He fulfilled his purpose in prison by giving us the word of God. and you discovered it in prison final prison in timothy i have finished my race so don't even think now you know your purpose peter says therefore dearly beloved make your calling and election sure 
make it very sure i am one of the elect i am one of the call from faith add 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 virtue add knowledge add self control and brotherly love kindness the love of god add these things that's how you know i am a part of the elect because the very character of god is being framed inside me i am changing from within outward man is perishing inward man is becoming just like him and one day when he comes we will look at him and look at ourselves and says we are twins we are twins just as he is so shall we be you don't get discouraged and depressed and all that we are running a race and the rewards are unbelievable believable shall we stand this morning shall we look to the lord and say father here i am here we are lord as a church here everywhere whatever we go through help us to trust you help us to love you help help us never to deny you to acknowledge you in all our ways today now starting today all our ways to bring you in to consult with you to read the word of god to hear from you not as duty to pray to discover your will and to delight to do the little things nobody may see but we know your eyes are upon us to do it unto you even if it is to scrub a bathroom floor just to believe Christ in somebody will walk on this floor we can choose today life we can choose today blessings we can choose today god for he said i am your life we commit rededicate to that purpose once again as a church lord the word you gave us to build the church on that in all things christ jesus shall have preeminence in all things when we acknowledge you in all things and trust you with all our heart then you receive preeminence in all things thank you thank you father thank you lord bless your church your people everywhere here in your name may the hand of god rest upon us protect us empower us and direct our paths now all the days of our life for in jesus name i pray amen may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen